May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father and from his only Son, Jesus, our Savior. Amen. I like clothes. I like nice clothes. I like comfortable clothes. I like new clothes. And I have too many clothes. Are you like me? Now, I'm not wondering what's in your, not wallet, what's in your closet. Today, I'm asking you other questions, questions prompted by today's gospel reading and from today's epistle. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts this morning to ponder the word of God that we might hear both law and gospel about these questions what are you wearing and who are you wearing? People God dearly loves. Jesus leaves Galilee in Luke 8. He and his disciples sail east across the sea. They land in an area known as the Decapolis, the ten Greek cities. This is not Jewish territory. This is Gentile country. And they are met by a strange man waiting on the shore. He is demon-possessed. He's naked. He's homeless. Luke writes, For a long time, he had worn no clothes, and then he tells us that he has found shelter in the caves on the hillside. People have tried to control him, to shackle this man for their safety and for his own. But he plays Houdini, breaking the bonds and fleeing farther into the wilderness. This man is unclean not just by the filth of living like an animal. He's unclean because of demonic spirits. And he's unclean because he's made his home in a cemetery. The caves, you see, were also graves. And being with dead bodies made one ritually unclean. But he recognizes Jesus and he dares to cry out to Jesus, Now wait. Is this the man or is this the demon speaking who possesses him? The language tells us that it's the latter. What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God, he shouts. He names Jesus, then he pleads, I beg you, do not torment me. Jesus responds immediately by saying, demon, be gone. But you see what's going on? is that this unclean spirit is asking for his punishment to be delayed. He knows what is going to happen to him ultimately. He knows where he will spend eternity. He knows he will be in never-ending torment. Yet then there's this conversation, an unexpected conversation, because you recall that Jesus had a dialogue with Satan, the prince of demons, when he was tempted. But this is the only time in the Gospels that he talks back and forth with a demon. He has commanded already that the unclean spirit release the man. But then Jesus follows up with this question, what is your name? To which the demon replies, legion. Luke adds that 
many demons had entered the man, and you may well know that a Roman legion is anywhere from 3,000 to 6,000 soldiers, about the size of a modern brigade in the U.S. Army. Now the demons all speak. They plead. They beg. They do not want to be destroyed, to depart into the abyss, the deep place of torment. So they bargain, asking to possess a nearby herd of hogs. This is further proof that this event takes place in a Gentile area. No Jews would be raising and grazing pigs. Jesus allows it. The demons leave the man and enter the pigs. And then in a bizarre scene, the herd rushes down the steep hillside toward the Sea of Galilee and are drowned. Their herdsmen panic. They flee in terror. They tell in the city what happened. And as this happens in the Decapolis, that city may be Hippos, where I worked on the dig five years ago. After people hear the report, they gather to investigate. And I think they did so carefully, tentatively, even reluctantly. They find Jesus. And they also find the man. He's sitting at Jesus' feet, doing just what Mary in Bethany did when Jesus visited her and her sister Martha. The man isn't naked or shackled. He's clothed. He's free. He's in his right mind. He's healed. But the locals are afraid. They're afraid of this kind of power, too. They want Jesus to leave now. A miracle has happened. The conversion is complete. The formerly possessed man is now a disciple of Jesus, and he wants to keep following the Messiah. But even as Jesus gets ready to climb back into the boat to sail across to Capernaum, he tells the man, go back home and be a disciple and a witness there. Tell them how much God has done for you, which is just what the man does, proclaiming throughout that whole region how much Jesus has done for him. Can this story be our story? I will say yes, because this story of the demon-possessed man of the Gerasenes can answer the questions, what are you wearing and who are you wearing? Here is how. We are this strange and desperate man. We are naked. We are homeless. We are unclean. We are shackled by sin. We are chained by guilt. And we can't break loose. But in great love and amazing grace and unexpected mercy, Jesus meets us where we are. He doesn't tell us to figure it out, to clean up our act, to swim to the boat, as Elena said yesterday in the profession of faith, or to build a bridge for our salvation, as Gabriella also said. 
But God comes to us, Lincoln asserted, using the water and word of baptism to claim and cleanse us. And Jesus is both the treasure and how we are treasured. As Kyle stated, we love God and love others. Xavier said clearly, because God loved us first. We find this good news in the manger of the word, as Danica told us. And in Christ and by Christ, we are fed with real and lasting food, as Hannah declared. Here is what we heard in Galatians 3 this morning. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of woman, born under the law, so that we might receive adoption. Jesus wore our clothes. He put on our ordinary humanity, yet did so without sacrificing his divine and eternal identity. Jesus wore our clothes to rescue and to redeem. He wore the swaddling clothes of an infant in Bethlehem. He wore the clothes of an apprentice carpenter up in Nazareth. He wore the clothes of mockery, a purple robe, and a crown of thorns when he was sentenced to crucifixion, the innocent one to die for the guilty. His seamless tunic was gambled over before he was nailed to the cross. And there Christ Jesus wore no clothes. He hung naked as he endured the shame of crucifixion. All of this suffering, all of this suffering is his. It is finished death. And by that death, he was willing to accept and to remove your and my dirty, filthy, ragged, torn clothes of sin and guilt and shame. And faith receives and clings to the gifts, full and perfect forgiveness of sins, life in his kingdom of grace, and the promise to be, as Paul writes, to be heirs, heirs of salvation, which means glory and joy and peace for all of eternity. What do you wear? Who do you wear? Now that may sound strange, strange to you, and at the 1045 service to those seven young disciples, but they are this man of the Gerasenes. They declared last night, as they will declare again this morning, how much God has done for them in calling them his precious daughters and sons, in clothing them with his righteousness, which is why they will be wearing white baptismal gowns today. They wear the complete holiness of Jesus, and they sit at the feet of Jesus, listening to and learning from his word as his young and growing disciples. Here again is what Paul wrote to the Galatians and to them and to us. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now they and we are given nicer clothes than any you could find at North Star Mall or at the Rim or at the shops of La Cantera or after searching online tomorrow afternoon. 
we wear the perfect and pure clothes of redemption. We wear the new identity of those adopted into God's family. We put on Christ in baptism. We put on Christ again when the pall covers your casket. For we wear the holiness of Jesus himself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.